The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to one of our new call-in show Twitter spaces, which doesn't have a name yet, so it's getting this awkward <laughs> intro. Uh, my name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the editor-in-chief at Pride of Detroit, coming to you live from Mobile, Alabama, in a uh, very lonely uh, <laughs> a hotel room, as most of the beat has is trying to travel home through a, a winter storm. I'm back here. I'm still here for another day to, to kind of wrap things up. But anyways... Uh, we are here on Twitter Spaces Live. We are going to be talking about Senior Bowl week. They just closed out the the final practice of the week. Obviously, there's still a game to be played on Saturday. But we're going to talk about everything that we saw, both from afar and here in person. Uh, so let me introduce my two co-hosts, as you may remember from our old Spotify locker room sessions. Eric Schlitt, the managing editor of Pride of Detroit, is with us at Eric Schlitt on Twitter. Eric, how we doing? Hey, buddy. It's uh, It was a little... Uh, ch- challenging, I think, to watch from afar. I really wish I was uh, hanging out with you down there, buddy. One of these days, we'll get you down here. Oh, yeah. May- maybe we'll just have you come down next time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and our other uh, correspondent slash co-host slash senior editor of Pride of Detroit, at Ryan underscore POD on Twitter, it's Ryan Matthews. Who needs a check mark, man? You know what? But I like hanging out with you too. Oh so, yeah, uh, it does really you know extenuate that that you don't have a check mark doing these Twitter Spaces. I'm I'm sorry about that. It really does, but you know what? It says co-host, so uh, you know, f it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's uh let's get into it. Uh, obviously, like I said, the the three senior bowl practices have now come to a close as the Lions were coaching the American team. Um. I, and I guess I kind of want to start out with my biggest take, and maybe this is just me not being the big draft guy, but my biggest take, honestly, was how impressed I continue to be by this Lions coaching staff. And it, it I think this week proved to be a nice example of where I can kind of step out of my own bubble, maybe in my own biases, and just hear from other people what they thought about the Lions and, and their coaching staff. And it wasn't all positive. You know, Mike Tannier was out there saying that the Lions are being a little lackadaisical with their practices. There was a moment during Tuesday's practice when the offense wasn't doing anything for about three minutes while they were waiting for the defense to, to wrap up. And, and that did happen. And honestly, that sort of stuff did happen in training camp, too. I'm sure you remember some of that, Eric, where they were just kind of standing around for a little bit. Um but I think yeah. go go ahead go ahead yeah I, 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 it's a reach man I mean yeah. honestly it's 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 a reach to to nitpick on stuff like that um, I mean look we we saw under Patricia the no nonsense everything go 100 miles an hour wear right. these guys out and, and it didn't it just it wasn't productive and and so this coach scene staff's approach is is much more player friendly and then you add in uh, one of the things that you pointed out in the fact that this is uh, Deuce Daly's first time running practice right. uh, I think uh, I think Mike was being a little bit overly critical uh, he tends to not have high opinions of the way the, the Lions uh, organize their coaching staff so uh, sure. you can take that with a grain of salt and uh, you know you can take it with a truck of salt I guess and just chuck it over your shoulder <laughs> 
But I mean, like the people in attendance, the people that I talked to, a lot of them had the exact opposite impression that this was an intense group of coaches, a they were running fun drills. And that was something that, that we've definitely seen in Detroit all, all year long is these competitive drills where they would do one-on-ones against each other. And the entire team, the entire offense would get behind one guy or the entire defense would get behind one guy. And it really brought out a lot of energy. And I think it, it brought out competition and it also puts some of these guys in these like high intensity moments where the entire team is relying on you. And I'm sure you get good information from those moments. You know, we, we saw a lot, you know, Jermaine Johnson closed out the first practice with, uh, with three reps against Kennard. You might have to help me out here. The Kennard, Kennard, the, the the Kentucky guy. Yeah. Darian Kennard. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, Deuce called it in favor of the offense, but it was very much a split. And a lot of the defender, a lot of the defensive coaches were not happy with it, but you know, beyond that, it was an interesting week because we got a lot of the positional coaches in, um, you know, a, a more loose setting where, you know, they're not behind a podium. And you really kind of got a sense of who they were in, in, in a completely different way. And what I really enjoyed doing is just kind of having these conversations and hearing these guys talk about, you know, I, I thought Kelvin Shepard was, was amazing today, just kind of talking about the importance of, his own experience going to the senior bowl, his own experience as a player and how that helps guide these guys into, you know, every single day decision they make out there, whether it's, you know, catching a ball to how they react after they potentially drop a ball. And so it really, you can really sense how this coaching staff relates to players and, you know, that helps them this week during coaching, but obviously it helps them during the regular season as well. So honestly like that, that was my biggest takeaway. And, and to hear some of the things from people that are outside of the Lions organization repeat some of the things that I, I had already thought about this coaching staff was, was very reassuring to me because I, the more and more I, I get to know this coaching staff, the, the more and more I love it. And, and really everyone, and, and the fact that Kelvin Shepard, a first-year head coach, this is his first time doing it, um, fits into exactly what the Lions are kind of trying to do with their coaching staff is, uh, is great. Like it, 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 again, speaks to, I think, Dan Campbell as someone who can sense can find these kind of people. And I know there's, there's maybe some growing concern about the future of Aaron Glenn. Um, and, and I share in that concern as well, because I don't think, you know, they're, they're necessarily handing that job to Dennis Allen. I think he's a legitimate candidate. Um, but there is a certain confidence left over that, that Campbell will find the right guy to, to fill his place. You know, I, I think you, you kind of hit the, the the crux of the whole practice here and like why it's so beneficial is that these, a lot of these players have, uh, coaches have been through it as players. And while it's not as much about like how much time they spend efficiently moving between like practice settings, like uh, it's more about like, what is it that they're teaching them as it goes on? And, and that's some of the things that I heard from some of the people that are down there uh, when I talked to them was that, um, you can tell that these coaches are taking their time to give instruction that's meaningful yeah. instruction. And then you're seeing players then uh, reproduce that type of instruction, right? And so um, that's more important than like hustling in, in, in between things and making sure that you're getting every ounce of every you know available minute of practice. Like it, there's so much value in in being able to bring that level of experience and and that's something that again we've seen throughout uh training camp and practices uh in the, in the first year with this coaching staff all right ryan i'm gonna throw it to you i'm gonna i'm gonna let you open the discussion on specific players you want to talk about specific players that either you've heard a lot of things about maybe i don't know how much you've been able to, to watch them on the practices on tv who's who's someone that has caught your eye that that you think deserves a, a segment of this show to, to talk about. Come on, man. What are you doing to me? I, I knew I, I had to do it. I, I'm setting you up perfectly. Let's talk about Malik Wills, Ryan. You are. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, I, I think that there was a lot of buzz and a lot of stuff heading in the right direction in terms of us maybe not being totally surprised by, by Malik's kind of like, um, I, I guess you'd call it emergence over this weekend. Um, I, I know like leading up to the week, you know, Todd McShay said it, it was, you know, by, by the end of by the end of the senior bowl week that Malik Willis would be quarterback one um, on his board. And he, he said it would be it'd be the same way on a lot of other people's boards. And, um, you know, I, you know, I, I think what I'm most impressed with 
is, you know, uh, you know, I've, I've just, I've just eaten up every little bit of Malik Willis news that I, that I've been able to get over the past week. But like, I really like the, his demeanor and the way that he handles himself. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's a really underrated, I mean, before we get to the fact that like, you know, people have just gushed about things like his arm talent and how, you know, the ball just explodes out of his hand and, you know, all the things that, <clears throat> you know, the traits and everything. But before we get to that, like, you know, I, I really like the way that he handled himself, like in press conferences. And yeah. we, we, we know you were right there cozying up next to him, Jeremy. But <laughs> I absolutely was. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, and, and I'd like to get your opinion on that, too, because I, I thought that in, in terms of how he handled himself in front of a microphone and um, kind of just, uh, you know, from, from other reports of how he kind of, you know, held himself uh, over the week of practices, I, I think – I think where we're at with Malik Willis is in a much different spot than we were going into this week because it doesn't seem like Malik Willis can it, it doesn't see I it might seem premature, but it doesn't seem like he can be a pipe dream at thirty two or thirty four anymore. Yeah, I, I would say well, I I think he might be a pipe dream yeah that late in the draft at this point. I feel like I mean here here's the thing. I, I feel like entering the week we all kind of knew this had a pretty good possibility of, of happening quarterbacks, anyone kind of jumping up and down. And I can't say a ton about what I saw of him in practice. Um, I, I admittedly, I, I skipped out on the second practice because I was standing in the rain for four hours. And that turned out to probably be his, his best practice by, by most people's measures. I, I saw flashes in, in day one, but here's the thing. Day one, it's hard to, to judge a quarterback on, right? they, they're essentially just learning the playbook. They, they've got no chemistry with their receivers. It's a mess. And so when I watched the second practice of the, the national team, it was a mess for a whole different reason. It was pouring. And so receivers were dropping things. Uh, quarterbacks weren't very accurate because they were slipping out of their hands. So I'm just like, this isn't going to be fair to anyone. I'm going to skip out on second practice. And and then, of course, he, he blows up. But I, I do like what you said about how he handled himself in, so, in, in front of pressers because I definitely noticed it too. He was just... He was very, very relaxed in what is anything but a relaxed setting. You know, it's just hundreds of people crammed into a ballroom trying to figure out who they want to talk to, and it's loud, and it's um, – but, but I, he handled himself and, and, well. and, and I was going to say, and I can't imagine things were like that at Liberty. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, so, like, so, I mean, like, I, I think the poise and the way that he carried himself is, is something that's complimentary, and it's something of like, hey, if you're going to be a franchise quarterback, it's kind of like what you expect of the guy. Yeah, and and to me, the most telling moment about how maybe these practices have gone, it just happened. At the very end of the third practice, uh, Deuce had the entire American team line up behind the quarterback that they thought was going to win this accuracy test where they threw into small squares in a netting. And I would say about 50% of them lined up behind Malik Willis. Willis. Uh, and then another maybe 30 behind Sam Howell and then uh, 20 behind Zappi. And, to be fair, Zappi did win it. Um, he was the only one to, to fit it into one of these really small squares in their three attempts. Um, but then they tried to throw it in a bucket in the corner of the end zone, and Malik was the only one to hit, essentially hit the bucket. He didn't land it in either time, but he hit it twice where uh, the other two missed. But, I mean, that that maybe that's a leadership thing, you know, having half of the team believe in him over everyone else, over a guy like Sam Howell who probably entered the week by most people's standards ahead of him. Um, so it's, it's an interesting week for Malik. Uh, obviously what you want to see is, is a quarterback get it really with, with everyone on the field is is get better as the week goes on. Obviously I I, I feel like this story had gone viral and and suddenly everyone thinks the lines are are interested in Malik Willis, but um, the story about uh, Mark Brunel, Mark Brunel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, and say, you know, him getting all hyped up about Malik Willis, checking it down to his fourth read uh, with a swing pass to the, to running back. And, you know, I, I asked Malik about it myself and he's just like, Oh yeah, I don't know why he was so pumped about it. But um, Brunel was, was really excited that he was able to go through all of his progressions, something he had just learned, just been taught to do. And for him to kind of improve in that short amount of time, this was practice. Number one uh, was obviously something very promising to him. And, and obviously that's, you know, I think if, if there's a, a complaint about his game, it's that processing ability. And so, you know, it, it's a promising development. It doesn't mean the Lions are going to draft him. It doesn't mean Mark Brunel is going to, you know, be kicking down Dan Campbell's office door and saying, you got to draft this guy or I'm out. But 
it's a promising development for Malik nonetheless. Well, well, if it's any indication of how positional coaches are, we have Antoine Randall who's saying that the Lions need to amass all the wide receivers they can in one off season. <laughs> so maybe, maybe, maybe Mark Brunel might do that, but it, it, see, it seems like the Pittsburgh Steelers had sexy eyes for Malik Willis this week too. Like that seems to be like the other big takeaway. Yeah. I, I, I guess I haven't seen all those reports, but yeah, I, I think I saw a little bit that he had talked to Tomlin shortly or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I want Eric, do you have any, anything to add about Malik Willis? Cause I mean, I like hearing it. Well, I, look, <laughs> I, um, I, I, I don't think it can be overstated the the ability to absorb the playbook and then and then to replicate it on the field. Um, at Liberty, he was basically asked to have like one read or two reads, and then you know pull the ball down and go. Um, there was not a very complicated system, and, and they did that on purpose. And so one of the big questions was can he handle that? Can he progress through four reads and make the proper decision? And when he did that, I, that's what, you know, drew the excitement from Brunel. Cause it's like, okay, this is something, this is a question that we didn't have an answer to that. He just did flawlessly on the first try. And so that is a big step for him. And, 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 you know, when you're looking at how these quarterbacks are going to be evaluated, you know, we've all seen what they can do on tape, but that these all-star games are all about what can you do beyond what we've seen on tape. And that, and it's, that's a big check mark for uh, Malik Willis this week. I'm going to ask this and I I want a quick answer so that we can move on to someone else. Has he entered the conversation as a viable option at number two? Well, I, look, this is my question of the day tomorrow. I got a whole article. <laughs> Spoiler. I got a whole article written up on what you guys said. And I'm basically, my question is, at what point is he a viable option to draft? So I'm not going to answer it because I have a whole a thousand words <laughs> spoil written it. down right now <laughs> yeah. that I don't want to spoil. So yeah, I'll have that out at 6 a.m. tomorrow. There you go. Friday morning. Uh, Ryan, just say the word yes. Read Eric's article. <laughs> oh wow alright uh, with that we're going to take a break when we come back uh, we'll talk about everyone who isn't Malik Willis at the Senior Bowl and Boo. maybe answer some live questions if, uh, if our live audience wants to get on this so stick with us here on our untitled call in show we'll be right back <laughs> Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge? That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are back here live on Twitter Spaces talking Senior Bowl recap. Day three of practices have just come to a close here in Mobile, Alabama. 
I think I think I'm going to throw it to you, Eric. Who's who's someone you want to talk about before we get into some maybe live questions here? Well, I, I tell you, there was a couple of guys that um, I, I think kind of stole the shows, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and most of them were on the defensive side of the ball. And, and yeah. while Malik Willis was was really the star uh, on offense, uh, and there were a couple other good stars, like Calvin Austin was really good. Um, you know, we saw uh, uh, Dylan Parham, the center, uh, do very well as well. Um, but on, de- on defense, you really saw some like just difference makers. Uh, everyone, the talk of the the town is that Jermaine Johnson is is the yep. top guy in Mobile. Period. Right, and um, he was at the first two practices. He withdrew uh, the third practice because he got a little tweak or something. But he's going to come back and play on Saturday. So a uh, nice feather for him to want to get back on the field. Uh, yep. Outside of him, there was a bunch. Uh, the next, I guess, I guess highest guy on the the American roster that the Lions are coaching was uh, Devontae Wyatt, the Georgia defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a guy who, in my opinion, was probably like in that top 50 range coming into this, and he had a potential to, to elevate, and it's not a really strong defensive tackle class. And, and he really looked sharp uh, in, the, in the opportunities that I got to see him. The reports from other people that were there were all very high on him as well. Uh, a lot of talk about him being borderline first round now so you know moving up like 10 12 spots or something like that so uh, again he's another guy who you're gonna have to keep a, a closer eye on uh and like i said especially with a weaker defensive tackle class he can end up jumping up into the top uh top one or two discussion you could see two georgia defensive tackles uh the first two off the board um you know, then there's a whole bunch of other guys that are like, you know, in that fringe day three, D'Angelo Malone, another edge rusher, uh, Tariq Woolen was a guy who came in with a little bit of hype because Dean Brugler mentioned him as a fit with the Lions. And um, and, and he's the, he's that six foot three, 200 pound corner with like 33 inch arms like that. Just he looks like Tracy Walker, essentially, like with those gangly like arms that yeah. defensive backs coaches love. Right. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, and there was a bunch of these guys like there's going to be a bunch of day three guys. But um, the, the the studs that really, you know, should have showed out, most of them did. And, and, and so that's, you know, that's that was, I thought, uh, very interesting. My, one of my more interesting takeaways, I guess. Yeah, and just to, to throw another name on, on the list there, South Carolina's Kingsley Enigbari, I'm going to say. Uh, he was one of those guys that had, I think, one of those competitive drills to, I think it was to start day two practice, where he went up against, oh God, the tight end, poor tight end who just got abused. I can't uh, remember Ballinger. his name. Yeah, Bellinger, Bellinger, that's it. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing. Bellinger, before you finish the story, Bellinger is probably the best blocking tight end in this class. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I did not particularly like the tight end class for their blocking skills in basically in all of, of, of the senior bowl on both teams. Um, but in this case, he, oof, it was rough. Um, and, and, and let's be fair, like a, a, a DN versus tight end is a mismatch, but basically what happened was he ran him back eight, 10 yards and they were about to line up the second time. And Deuce had to tell the entire team to essentially back up five, 10 yards because he knew it was going to happen again. And it absolutely happened again. And so, uh, yeah, that just kind of goes to show you um, maybe maybe the weakness of, of the blocking tight ends in this class. And maybe that's where I want to jump off here because I think we've all come to an agreement here that tight end two is not an insignificant need for this team going forward. And I did not come away from Mobile thinking that necessarily anybody there was was going to be the guy that filled that role. And I think maybe the most interesting guy that could fill that role is is one that I think a lot of Lions fans were interested in hearing about, and that's Michigan State's Connor Hayward, who is full, technically listed as a fullback and got a lot of reps as fullback, but can maybe fill kind of everything role that, that you know, they were grooming Jason Cabinda to do. Yeah, you know, and likely was the guy who got all the television hype because he's probably sure. going to be one of the top uh, tight ends off the board. I, I still like uh, Dolchik. I, I, mm-hmm. What I saw, the the I mean, they they didn't. You don't get to see a ton on TV, but the ones right. that I saw, uh, I liked what I what I the, the the reps, the routes that I saw. Um, I like some of the reports that I read about him. Uh, so I, I'm still encouraged by him. I still think that he is the guy 
that Brad Holmes traded for. And so um, <laughs> he, could, he I, I think he's the sleeper guy because he's a former wide receiver. He's got a lot of these skills. Uh, he can be uh, an F or a Y. And so um, I, I think he is a tight end too. And um, I really thought Bellinger could be that. But yeah, that, that, that blocking rep, uh, oof, yeah, that 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 really <laughs> kind of put things in perspective for me. Well, I, I think to Eric's point too, and and you you know briefly touched on this, Jeremy, but like tight end two is is not an insignificant need by any means. Like it's a need that I, I think you know the three of us talked about it on on a recent podcast. But like this is something that could be as addressed as like early as day two, right? Like I mean, this is sure, something that sure. it isn't such an insignificant need because I think the Lions are are a team that wants to be in twelve personnel, you know, just as much as any other team in the league. Um, and you know, after TJ Hawkinson, that depth kind of, kind of falls off a cliff and, you know, they, they sign Josh Hill and he retires and then they bring in Darren Fells and, you know, doesn't really want to be around after, after so long. And, you know, I, I was really, that was one thing that I was really looking forward to this weekend. Like it, it is, is seeing one of these guys emerge, you know, because, because Eric had mentioned Bellinger and, you know, hopefully, hopefully one of these guys can, can impress in, you know, in, in some sort of way and, you know, whether studying tape or whatever, but, you know, it, it almost seemed like Jeremy, like from the way that we were underwhelmed, I, cause I agree with you, like the way that we were underwhelmed with, you know, a lot of the tight end performances, like I started looking up spot, like spot track to see like, okay, well, like who's out there on the free agency market. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and it's interesting too, because I know Jim Nagy, that the senior director, a senior executive director down here um, called this tight end class maybe the most stacked he's ever had. And he, he he might not be wrong, but I think it's just not necessarily what the lines are looking for because most of these guys are better pass catchers than they are blockers. And, right, right. I mean, we, we were looking for it as Josh Hill. And maybe, maybe the Lions like Brock Wright more than more than most people do, and maybe maybe it isn't that big of a need. But uh, I don't know, Eric, is that is that how you view this tight end class too, is maybe just not the kind that the Lions are looking for? Well, it's a ton of F tight ends, which is your slot tight end right. uh, that's usually detached. The thing is, and, and and I know we're looking for a blocking tight end here, but Hawkinson is your it can be your Y. He can be your Y or your F. He can do both, and that's what makes yeah. him really fun. And, and and Brock Brock can be your your Y as well. Like he's a better blocker than he is a pass catcher. So yeah. realistically. Taking an F isn't that out of the ordinary I, I, for, for what I think they want to accomplish. So while I think having a guy who can block makes a ton of sense, it wouldn't surprise me if this class, if they can still find a guy in this class because the fact that Hawkinson and, and Wright can also can both block, right? So you can get a guy that just becomes a matchup problem, which is why I, I, I like Dolchik uh, here because, again, he can – I hate to say it. He he gives me some Tyler Higby vibes, right? The Rams mm-hmm. tight end. And, and, and I hate to make that comparison, but that's kind of what he reminds me of. And again, if, if, if Higby was a guy that Holmes identified the traits in him, I could see that same kind of scenario coming up where they say, okay, you know what? We can make one of these F tight ends work, um, even though it doesn't fit what the, we have on the rest of the roster. Well, while we're talking about pass catchers here, I think we might as well talk about the wide receiver crew down in uh, the senior bowl because, uh, as, as you alluded to before, Antoine randall wants to draft two, sign one, and just continue to add talent to a, a group that definitely needs uh, an upgrade. And and while some of the top names aren't here at the senior bowl, there, there were a lot of guys that I know fans were interested in, um, probably number one on the list being South Alabama's Jalen Tolbert, who obviously comes from a, a small school and has a, a lot to, to, you know, um, earn, you know, with, with a senior bowl and all-star, uh, invite, um, uh, Eric, was there anything you saw? I don't know how much they showed Tolbert on, uh, on, not, on not TV. A ton. Not a ton. Yeah, no, not a ton. But the, but the thing is, is like most small school guys, he, um, isn't used to facing a lot of press. Yep. And because they, he's just so much more athletic than the other guy, the guy across from him. And so he, on day one, got pressed mm-hmm. and, and and struggled, right? Yep. And so that's going to be the, the trick with him is can you get him – if you're going to draft him, you have to draft him with a plan, right? So 
does he, he he's talented enough to be a Z, which is like that that Marvin Jones stretch the field type of thing. But you have to be able to get off press in order to do that. Now, if you don't think he can, and you think he's more of like an X, but like St. Brown is a Z because he can get off that press, then okay, maybe he fits with what you're looking for. But if they can get, it really just depends where they think they're going to land that that wide receiver one. Uh, is he? I don't think he's gonna has like that wide receiver one type of like uh, ceiling right now. Like maybe he does eventually, but I think he's more of a guy that would like challenge Josh Reynolds for a starting job as opposed to a guy who would step off the bus ready to go. Yeah, and and, and Randall had kind of an interesting story about him um, that I think directly relates to that, not having a lot of press. And and by the way, Tolbert said exactly that. He said, didn't face a lot of press in college, faced a lot of cover too. And, and you're right, I think that's very popular amongst small, small school guys. Um, but yeah. the, the, the story from Randall L was um, the one thing he noticed right away in Tolbert's game was that he was way too high in his stance, just standing up. You know, he needs to sure. lean over a little bit. And, you know, when you're standing up like that, kind of a lot easier to block someone. And, you know, it's, it's, it's even a pad level thing, not to get to Rod Mirinelli on you all. But, um, and so he's, you know, he told him that right away. And, you know, he got, he kind of got it little by little. Like he would notice Tolbert, like initially get into a stance. And then like you, he could literally see it click in his head, head where he needs to like haunch over a little bit and get in, mm-hmm. in more of a prepared stance. So um, again, it, it kind of speaks to what the goal of this entire week is. And it's not to be great on day one. It's to take the Lions coaching staff, take the tips that they get and get better as the week goes on just to show not only that, that you have the skills you need for the NFL, but you have that ability to adapt to coaching and listen to coaching and, and turn it into production on the field. You know, I think there's a couple other guys um, that, that, that stood out. Uh, the other one on the American roster was Calvin Austin. Yeah. He's, he looks like he would be something special. And I, and again, this is a slot guy who, gets immediate separation with his skill level and that's something the Lions could absolutely use and, and I know the thought process is well St. Brown played like 70% of his snaps out of the slot well the thing is is St. Brown can do everything right <laughs> we, we, we've talked about this like yep. you, you can put him anywhere and, and he's going to produce and so you can add um, a gadgety slot guy and he's going to work. You can add an X and, and it's going to work. You can add a Z and it's going to work too because St. Brown is just so flexible and you really don't have a starter talent at those other two spots. So you can bring guys into challenge everywhere really because St. Brown's so flexible. So um, I think everything's on the table. I think Austin's on the table. Tolbert's on the table. Uh, if you want to flip to the other side of the roster, or the other, uh, you know, the, the national team, uh, Christian Watson was the guy who stood out over there, uh, 6'4", 205 out of North Dakota State. So, mm-hmm. again, a little small school guy. But, you know, we've we've seen what Brad Holmes can do with, with small school, identifying small school guys in, in the past, right? So, yeah. um, so he's standing out on the other roster. So those three guys, I think, were kind of like the big winners from the, sure. the receiver group. Right, did you want to get in? Uh, you want to get well, in on Calvin Austin, don't you? Well, no, I, I, I think what I wanted to kind of accentuate was like Eric's point of like, of like, you know, Calvin Austin is this guy who I think going into the senior bowl week was like, okay, like, Hey, let's connect the dots on this because Tutu Atwell was a really small receiver. And, you know, now we have Calvin Austin. So maybe this might be a Brad home special, but like, I, I think what's most important is kind of the takeaway from Antoine Randall L's comments where it's like, we're trying to find guys who compliment Amon Ross St. Brown. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I mean, Eric just ran through a ton of names like Calvin Austin. Okay. Might be a more gadgety slot kind of guy. Then you got, you got Watson out of North Dakota state. Who's, I mean, this big guy who's six foot four, who you're going to line up outside. And, you know, I, I I think, I I think again, like this wide receiver draft class, something that we keep coming back to, even the guys who, who weren't in mobile, like there are a lot of guys where it's like, what, what do you need this guy to do? Because you can find him. And you can get him at, at a good value. You know, a lot of people are mocking, you know, wide receivers to the Lions with their with their second pick or their third pick in the draft. And 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 I think that's a comfortable spot to find a lot of guys because there is so much talent. And you you have to take in Brad Holmes' track record and, and success and and being able to identify guys like that at this point, right? Sure, absolutely. And I'm I'm you know I'm going to add to the Calvin Austin hype because again he was a guy that was brought up by Randall L. 
completely unprompted. And yeah, that's something. And it, it's <laughs> like, something. I mean, take note. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he was asked, like, what is the quality of the of the talent here? And he goes, here, I'm, I'm going to quote him right, you know, verbatim. He says, we got one cat that I feel like is a small guy in the room, but he has never played the slot position in Calvin Austin. He's always been outside. So you can tell it's a little different for him, but you can see he's one of the smartest in the group and he's picking it up. So yeah, intelligence right off the bat. And, and yeah. listen, he jumps off the field so I mean, immediately he was, he was maybe the, the most fun skill position player to watch because that release is just ridiculous. And he did it again today. I watched it on TV and, and he just, he blew a guy away right away. And, you know, some of the one, one-on-ones is just, he's out running guys deep and that's fun and that's great. But if you can get a release like that on press coverage, when you're that small, just with your short, you know, your short uh, area burst, like that's that's dangerous, and and it, you know, level competition is going to be worse. Or I mean, is going to be worse for him in in the NFL. He's not going to be able to get away with all the things he can at the Senior Bowl. But I, I think it, it, it at least eases some of the concerns about his size if he can get a release like that, uh, given his small stature. The other guy that. Uh, you know, had that similar type uh, separation w- with the quickness and burst um, was uh, Valuse Jones from Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, the the athletic guys talked him up a bunch. Uh, we really didn't get to see him on TV. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> when you're talking about these lower yeah. guys on the in the group, like they're not they're not showing these guys. Um, I, I might have saw him a couple of times, but the athletic guys really talked a bunch about him. So, uh, what I saw with him was. He's a slot guy who can who also has like uh, running back like skills, but he's a bit inconsistent, and so um, he was a little bit lower on my board. But he's a guy that now you got to go back and you got to look and you got to say, okay, what did they see? Can we will we see that in the game on Saturday? And then um, you know he'll be a guy that we'll put up a little asterisk by uh, come combine because uh, we're going to want to get closer looks at him uh, as well. The, the, the one other thing I want to mention about the wide receivers uh, to double back on, on, on Watson from North Dakota State, um, I thought it was a really interesting tweet that came out from Nagy because, uh, Eric, rem- or, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I think Brad Holmes puts a lot more stock in uh, like the data that is tracked from the field in terms of speed and play speed yeah. than, than a 40, right? Yep. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, so I mean, the top five max speeds from the Senior Bowl um, back on February 1st, North Dakota State wide receiver Christian Watson with the fifth fastest time at 20.71 miles per hour. I mean, that's a guy who's six foot four. Holy yeah. smokes. Like, the guy can move <laughs> on the field, right? So, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, yeah, I want to get I want to get a closer look at that data. Um, yeah, you know, because I, I, that's the stuff that you don't get in the general right. setting, right? Yep. Uh, all right, before we go to requests uh, to to join the show, which we'll do for maybe about five ten minutes, uh, any any last word on the rest of the quarterbacks? Anyone else catch your eye? Um, maybe do something surprising either in the positive or negative direction. Not the quarterbacks. No. Um, the look, I, the running backs. I would say. Okay. I thought the pat. I thought the pass pro. Yeah. The running backs was good. Robinson, of course, was on display today, but Pierce was the guy who was on display uh, yesterday. Yeah. Right. I think both those guys are um, guys that could end up on day three. Uh, just the way that the value of the running back position is in the NFL and how they get drafted and how a lot of them slip, um, and. If you can pass pro, you're gonna you you can play for this team. But of course, they shouldn't draft a running back before day four. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> all right. So I'm tr- I saw a couple of requests and now they have gone away. So if you want to chat with us, send in a request now and hopefully I can figure out how to do it. Um, if not, I apologize. We'll try to do it another time. But. Uh, we have some some open spots here, so if you're part of our live audience, hit a request. There we go. Our good friend uh, Brandon Kerr uh, wants to chat. Brandon, can you hear us? It looks like oh, there you go. Are you there? Oh, Jeremy says he's connecting on my end. Oh, here Johnny? we go. 
Yeah, there you go. Hey, Jeremy, Eric, Ryan, good to talk to you guys. Uh, listen, I'll be real quick because I know you've talked extensively about him, and that's Christian Watson. Uh, I first saw him down here because Missouri State or local universities in their conference, and they just raved about this guy. And then when I saw him playing uh, Montana State in the championship, he didn't do much because they just ran all over the other team. But he's got the goods, man. And I'm kind of wondering, Jeremy, since you – did you see him personally? Give me your best looks as far as pluses, but also his drawbacks because he's starting to get a lot of rave reviews. And, my goodness, he may he, – if he's better than Galladay uh, because of his a little bit better speed, then uh, the Lions may have to seriously look at him maybe with a Rams pick. Anyway, I'll get out of here, guys. Thanks. Hey, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Uh, Eric, while I flip through my notes, do you have any any uh, initial thoughts about Christian Watkins, the, and the wide receiver out of North Dakota State? Uh, look, I, I don't have uh, as much love for him as Brandon does, and, and, and I get it. And I know that the hype around him is, is really high. Um, but I, I still think day two aspirations are, are, are good for him. Um, this type of momentum that he can gain from this game from this week can definitely put him into that. Right. But he's still a little bit of an unknown. Like I know Brandon, uh, you've got a chance to see him, but like, uh, I've, I've been limited to my exposure on him. So I don't have as much, um, you know, like information that I can dole out. But again, that that's what this week is all about. It's about identifying guys that you can put check marks on and then go back and, and, and do more review on them to see, okay, why is it, why is this guy getting hype? Um, what, what does the film show us? So he's a guy that I'm going to go back and look a little bit harder at. Uh, but from what I'm, you know, gathering from, you know, people I've talked to is that he's, he's more, he's probably working his way into day two. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, if I can add just a real quick, sure. You know, something about Christian Watson is uh, I know that uh, I think it was Wednesday's media session. Um, you know, he mentioned that he models his game after Mike Evans. Now, like hmm. Mike Evans is a much bigger bodied receiver, right? Like, I mean, Watson is he's he's tall, but I mean, rather slender at like 211 pounds. You know, Mike Evans is a big guy at like 231. So, I mean, that's a, I mean, maybe that's something he he can work on. You know, at the next level, but you know. I, I think I think the thing with him is is and I agree with Eric is is if he can work himself up into that day two conversation maybe like end of the second round early third round which you know the Lions have a pick right in there so um, you know maybe maybe that's an area where he gets targeted but but I, I get it like the the rave reviews you think that pushes him up the board and and maybe out of the uh, the Lions price range. Yeah, and I'll be honest, I don't have a ton of notes from practice on him. Just just one, essentially, where it was not a great throw, which, I mean, if, if I'm being completely honest, that first practice from the national team, the quarterbacks were kind of a mess. And, and again, first practice, you don't have a lot of chemistry. You don't know the playbook that well. And then day two was just like a mess, like I said, for, for rain reasons. So my only little note on him is that he was uh, – he was covered pretty well, and I think it was press coverage by 22 who um, – oh, Tarika Castro-Fields from Penn State, the corner. So um, I can't provide a ton of insight on him yet. I'm, I'm trying trying to do this whole draft thing, guys. But, uh, but yeah, not a ton of information that I have specifically on him for practice. I was That day I was actually focused a little more on the, on the line play anyway, so – um, all right, uh, we are going to try We'll go with the six requests that we have remaining, and then we'll end it there. Uh, again, I've completely failed in trying to get this done in a timely <laughs> manner. Um, but, you know, that's part of the fun. Uh, all right, uh, how am I not myself? Hey, buddy. I think I know who you are. There you hey, are. Uh, hey, what's yeah, up, long man? Long time, long time. Um, <laughs> this, this one is, is mainly for Ryan, uh, but you can chime in on this as well, Jeremy. Uh, so some big news came out of Mobile. Uh, apparently, Malik Willis does not think a hot dog is a sandwich. And I just <laughs> wanted to know how Ryan feels about that. Does that change his opinion on Malik Willis at all? Thanks. Well, you know, I, I really appreciate the question. And uh, I, I've developed an incredible answer for this. There are a lot of question marks when it comes to, uh, to Malik Willis. And uh, this is exactly it. <laughs> this, you know, this is the one. This this is at the top of the concerns uh, about about where he can show growth, where he can show development. Um, 
uh, you know, get him, get him to Detroit. He'll have an opportunity to see some some hot dogs in, in, in a way that he hasn't seen them before with chili and, and onions and cheese and mustard and things like that. And, you know, m- maybe, maybe, maybe we can coach him up a little bit. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Jeremy? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would say the same thing. You know, like I said, that that video was taken early in the week. Let's see. Maybe ask him the question on Saturday. Maybe, maybe he develops his game a little bit. <laughs> Thanks for the question, Marvin. All right, uh, let's go to Dan. Try to Detroit superstar Dan Pask is here. Dan, are you there? Yeah, sorry, mate. I, I didn't realize you got to me. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, you're good. Hi, guys. Cool. It does give you the willies speaking on the radio. I've got to say, all the. All the <laughs> um, I have a question. I reached out to uh, Mathbon to Kent before the start, and I mm-hmm. see Eric. And I'm curious if you know treasonously. We don't get a defense uh, defensive end with number two. Um, did he? He mentioned Ken mentioned Og- Ogabare. Like what options we'd have at the end of the first. So I was wondering who you'd seen, if you liked them, and what you thought of them. Thanks. So Dan, you're talking about like what type of uh, edge rushers they might be available at the fir- at the end of the uh, like with pick thirty one or thirty two, essentially, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so you would have thought Jermaine Johnson would have been in that talk originally, but um, I think he's really played himself out of that. He's going to be a guy that I think is going to go a little bit earlier into the round, uh, into the first round. Uh, Ajabo is going to go earlier in the first round. Jeez. Um, the the Purdue kid's going to go in the first round. You're talking about. So when you get near the end, you're talking about guys like. Uh, Trayvon Walker out of Georgia, who is a he's kind of like what you got with uh, with uh, Flowers, where he's more of a he's going to be like a guy who can stand up and play the edge, but he can also you know pinch down and play like the five or even the four eye. Uh, you can use him in a lot of different spots. So I, I like Trayvon Walker quite a bit if they're going to go uh, edge uh, in the thirties there. Um, and then Cameron Thomas, who was a guy who was on the Lions roster, uh, similar, a uh, little bit more of an edge guy. Started as a de- his career's defensive tackle. Now he's moved out onto the edge. Uh, he got injured on the first day, and so yeah. you don't get to see him. You probably won't see him. Uh, I don't think he's going to return for the game or anything like that either. But he's another guy that's a uh, really talented. Uh, hasn't quite hit his ceiling. Um, on the Jets roster, Logan Hall is another one of these guys that's a little bit bigger. So it, it, what happens is, is that you, when you start getting into like that thirty range, you're you're moving away from that kind of t- uh, quick twitch edge guy, right? Um, you're moving away from like the Ajabos, the Johnsons, and you're getting into these like bigger guys that aren't as like aggressive, but they can do a lot of, a lot of different things. If you start going beyond them, um, then you're talking about guys and you want that quick twitch. Well, now you're getting guys that are quick twitch, but they're not as much, uh, not as efficient as setting the edge. Right. So now, so basically if you don't take one of the two top guys, you're going to sacrifice something, uh, by going near the back end. Um, you're either going to get a bigger guy who doesn't have that twitch or you're going to get twitch. that doesn't have that quite that edge. Um, or you're going to get a small school guy that that you know is ascending. So you, you're going to lose a little bit by not taking one of the early ones. To, to to kind of paint a picture for everybody, like Eric, you're talking about like those non-quick twitch guys, like from recent memory, like AJ Epinesa, right? Like he kind yeah. of fits that mold, right? Yeah, like uh, the Purdue kids, like that, right? Like he's yeah, he's, he's right. kind of like that. Um, I, I do think some of the other ones are a little bit more. Uh, they can be a little bit more bendy. Um, there, it's it's a it's a deep class. I mean, there's a lot of really cool edge rushers, uh, but they all got, they all have flaws. And then, I mean, it, as you go down the list, there's a whole bunch of these guys at the Senior Bowl that are going to be guys that are uh, going to be really bendy and um, that are going to be on on day three because they're going to be more situational guys that you're going to draft and, and, and develop. But with with uh, Julian Aquara and with Austin Bryan on that roster, I don't know if they have the room to add another developmental type uh, guy, especially if they end up taking Hutch or uh, Thibodeau at the top. Also worth pointing out, Cam Thomas, is, as you mentioned, the guy from San Diego State, uh, did get even a, a little bit of an individual shout-out from Kel- Kelvin Shepard today. Just and, and the fact that he was able to make that impression on one day, I think, is, is noteworthy. 
He's he's. I mean, look, he was a three technique that was destroying people at, mm-hmm. at San Diego State, and then they moved him to edge, and he just kept destroying people, right? <laughs> like so, he's he, he's a unique guy, and the fact that there's not a lot of flaws to his game, but he hasn't really always played to that a high level competition, and he's probably not going to test out of the building like a lot of the other edge rushers. Cool. Well, well, thanks so much for the uh, in-depth. It's really, it's really tough because you know uh, I, I still ha- hold to this uh, theory, and we kind of we saw it play out in the fact that Miami tried to, you know, get Burrow from from Cincy, and I'm just worried that we're not going to suck anywhere near as badly or get as bad of a record as we did next year, and and you know we're going to be looking in from the outside and have all of these goods that no one's going to want. You know what I mean? And I don't know. Right? But I really appreciate it. And I, you know, ask the mutinous question. So cheers. for. <laughs> no problem, Dan. Thanks. Uh, good to hear your voice again. I'm glad we're doing these again. Uh, Thank let- you, Dan. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we got three more that we're going to knock out here. And I have accidentally clicked the wrong button. And now I need to find the requests again. There we go. All right, Nate, you are next. Nate, welcome to the show, Nate. Are you there, Nate? Looks like you might. Oh, there you go. You're on mute. Are you good? Uh, there we go. Can you hear me now? Oh yeah. All right. Come on, Nate. <laughs> what? Uh, oh. What safeties or? Uh, uh, you're a little robotic, but it mostly can hear you. How? How is this? Is this better? Sorry. Say that one more time. Okay. How's yeah, that's better. Better. Okay. What uh, what linebackers and safeties were the best in coverage, and do you think any of them are going to be one of the Brad Holmes late round specials? Great question. So I I really had a lot of issues uh, kind of evaluating the safeties just because I mean there's so few team drills and safeties don't really get a lot of work in coverage and unless they're going deep and that doesn't happen a, t- a whole bunch in full, you know, 11 on 11s. But uh, I'll throw this one to Eric. Do you, is there a guy that, that maybe you heard had a good week or that you saw had a good week amongst the linebacking or safety groups? No, I, I, I think the safety group in Mobile on both rosters is the weakest position group out there. Yeah. Um, most of the like top end safeties in this class are going to be underclassmen or they opted out. Like Brisker was supposed to be at the senior bowl and then he opted out. So Mm -hmm. um, the top four guys are all underclassmen for me after that. Um, the Jets had some, the the two Baylor kids from the Jets, the Illinois uh, Joseph from Illinois. Those guys are going to be up there. Uh, but again, those guys are probably, I don't know, early day three for me, right? I don't, I don't think they're going to make it uh, into, into day two necessarily. So, um, there's, it's not a great safety class uh, yeah. all around, but, but there are a lot of guys that can play that split zone. Right. And so, um, I do think there's going to be someone that they can identify maybe later on the day, maybe someone that was in mobile, maybe someone that was not like Reed Blankenship from middle Tennessee state. Like he's a good split safety could be safety three today on the Lions roster, but he, he was at the shrine game. Right. So like, yeah. I, I do think they're going to find somebody. I, I just don't know if that was anybody that was that that's necessarily in mobile. Now the linebackers totally different. Right. There's a lot of really good linebackers. Um, Jojo Damon from the Nebraska kid is like one of the best cover linebackers out there. Uh, the LSU kid, uh, Damon Clark, mm-hmm. that he he is underrated and he is a a stylistic fit, I believe, for them. Uh, he's like six hundred uh, six, what two like two hundred forty pounds, but he can run. He's smart. He was almost like overthinking it earlier in his career. Now he's like a, things have kind of clicked for him. Uh, he had a pretty decent week from what I can gather. Uh, and then of course the Georgia kids like Quay Walker wasn't yeah. there, but then Tyndall was and Tyndall can run. Right. And so um, it, I think Quay's probably opted out cause he was hearing his name probably earlier than I think most were projecting. And a lot of these guys will opt out because of that. They'll be like, you know, Hey, all of a sudden I, I I'm, you're hearing your top 50 pick and they're like, okay, I don't want to mess with that too much. Uh, other guy, you know, maybe he was just training and who knows what it is. Right. But his name seems to be rising. Clark is a guy I think they could take in the third round. Um, and he could come in and start. Right. Um, and then if you, but like, like I said, the Demon kid, I mean, that's that guy can cover running backs, 
receivers and uh, tight ends all in the slot. Like he, he he's just he's basically he's a converted safety that plays linebacker. And there was a few of these guys out there, like um, uh, Carpenter, who was a late ad, is kind of like that. Um, the the ba- one of the that Baylor kid, uh, Petrie, uh, Petrie. I always say his name wrong. Um, yeah, I know he's, that. he's that hybrid kid who could who could do like that kind of similar role. Um, would not surprise me if they end up looking to try and find one of these guys that can kind of play that, but. Um, I think there's a lot of linebackers, and then the Jets have some too, right? Like yeah, I was gonna say, Ch- yeah, I was gonna say that's who I was gonna jump to because yeah. I like everyone I ran into at the Senior Bowl was, was talking up Chad Muma. Uh, he's he's oh God, I, I I liked him so much that I was like, this is a guy that they're going to be able to like sit back and like grab and he's going to come in. He's going to win a starting role. The hype around him has just gone through the roof. Like all, yeah. every, everyone has uncovered him. I wrote, a, I wrote on him early in the season, like in the college season. And I was like, Oh, this is a guy. Everyone keep an eye on him. He looks just like Logan Wilson, the Bengals, um, Mike linebacker who, uh, you know, is from the same school from Wyoming. And now everybody loves Muma. And all of a sudden this is, uh, this guy feels like he's going to be one of the top five linebackers. And uh, who knows where he's going to go now? He, he I, it seems like day two is a lock for him at this point, which is uh, a shame, but deserved. To, to, to help Eric in terms of finding a safety that he liked over this past week, he watched a lot of Tracy Walker. Uh, highlights <laughs> and uh, that's probably one of the best safeties that the lions can bring back onto their I've roster i've heard of him i've heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 really quick i i want to talk about tracy walker just for a quick second even though again we're going way over uh because i thought aubrey pleasant kind of had something mildly interesting to say about him and i'm, wanna, I'm trying to pull up the exact quote here um okay so he says quote both him and i believe for as good as this year was there's vast room for improvement. Oh yeah, and yeah. and I mean that that, well, that, that, he, that shades of Aaron Glenn talking about Jalen Reeves Maven like he's still on the <laughs> roster even though he's an unrestricted free agent, right? Right. Yeah. You you, you mean Jalen Reeves Maven who was in the stands with the scouts? Jalen Reeves Maven. Yeah. He was there to, that week. It was, it was weird. <laughs> yeah. um, but I mean, yeah. and then he goes I have on. A feeling to, he'll be back. He goes on to collectively to to say, and collectively, if we get a chance to work again in the future, you guys can see the same progression that maybe we we we've seen over the last year. So. It was it was a safe statement, but I was just kind of interested to see interesting to see him kind of say like we need more out of him. Yeah. Which is not not it's not wrong. I mean he only had one no. he only has one interception in his career, but you um, mean the game winner? Uh, to beat the Packers, that one? Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean the, the Packers backup. So you intercepted Jordan Love. Let's not let's not throw a parade here. Uh, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't call, get out of here, Cloud. <laughs> just, just just trying just trying to cap off that three win season the right way, baby. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Dude. look. At, at, at one point during the season, uh Tracy was peaking as like a top what three safety yeah. in the league and then he and then he declined a little bit because he there is room for growth we have not seen his ceiling and that's yeah. one of the reasons why i've been so high on him for four years now is that <laughs> you can see when it finally starts hitting on the way it's supposed to oh my goodness i i bring him back just make me happy bring him back <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, thanks for the question, Nate. We really appreciate it. Uh, we are going to close this thing out with one more speaker here. Uh, Kevin. Kevin, you're on the show, buddy. Sorry. Kevin. Um, Going once. This, this used to work. Hello. Once I got uh, to three. I, well, well, so I can hear him right now. I can hear him too. Yeah. Oh, you can yeah. hear him? Oh, it might yeah. be my internet. I'm in a crappy hotel, so it might be my fault here. Okay. Well, I'll go ahead. There you go. Um, I've heard that the draft starts in Mobile uh, for many people, <laughs> but do you think that we're going to see uh, anyone pop out this week to kind of move up way into the top five of the draft where people, teams, start to get a little more um, willing to trade up? I know, Jeremy, you're a big trade-down fan, and it would suck to <laughs> miss on the edge guys, but I'm just kind of curious if that's a situation that might become more likely. Can I can I take the the front of this? Mm-hmm. If sure. Okay. So I, I think what's really interesting is uh, 
Benjamin Salak, Salik, what you know, whatever. Kid from the <laughs> ringer. Okay. So I think he made an interesting point where he pointed out that like this draft class is very reminiscent of the twenty thirteen draft class. And let me just list off like the top five picks in that draft in case you're not familiar. Eric Fisher goes number one, then Luke Jockle, then Dion Jordan, then Lane Johnson, then Ezekiel Ansa. Oh. Okay. So I, I think what's interesting about the, 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 the similarities between like the top of that draft class and the top of this draft class is it's tackle and defensive end heavy. But as soon as you get somebody like who, right, like Malik Willis, who can increase their stock um, over these next, these, you know, these upcoming months, like I, I think then you start to put yourself in a position where you're the Detroit Lions. And we heard Brad Holmes make comments about this, right? Like, I mean, he talked to Tom Pelissero, um, and, and he mentioned as much like, Hey, the Lions are interested in doing business all the time. Yeah. And, and, and I think it, I think that can only benefit Detroit because either Detroit is in the market to get a quarterback. And I think that if, if their guy is there at two, that they should entertain that. If not, if they don't find a quarterback, I think it would behoove them to to entertain any and all offers to move back in this draft class. All right, I'm going to throw some cold water on this. Um, <laughs> God, Eric. Here's the, <laughs> here's the thing. The, the only thing, the only player in Mobile that somebody's going to trade up for is a quarterback, and I don't think any of these quarterbacks have gotten to that point where they should be in the conversation at two. Okay? I'm sorry, Ryan. Okay? We're just not there. No, um, it's fine. It's right. fine. It's fine. And if, and if we talk – but if, so if we're talking about non-quarterbacks, who's the biggest riser? Who's the guy who's gone up the most? I still think it's uh, Johnson. Jalen. The Florida Jaylen, State yeah. kid. Yeah. Uh, and so if if Johnson ha- can – I think he's in that top 15, 10 to 15 type range. Um, and then – but I don't think there's a – there's a senior bowl player here that's going to find themselves all the way up into that top five. Cause that's what happened with Ansa in that class, right? He balled mm-hmm. out at the yes. senior bowl. He yep. looked incredible at the combine. He tested out of the building. And then also Ansa is a top five pick. I don't think you, I don't think you have that in this class uh, at the senior bowl, at least, right? There's a lot of really good underclassmen. And uh, I think they're going to dominate the, the, the beginning of this draft. And, and, and that's, and that's what Dane Brugler said to you, right, Jeremy, like on our, on our long stream that we did, like this is yeah. really, the year to have a top five pick right it's true uh to, to bring this this whole thing full circle and come to a close and and maybe the answer will be the same as read your article tomorrow but is there any <laughs> is is there anything malik wills can do to work his way in the top fivers i mean yeah. What, yeah what can what can he do between now and, and april well you have to uh, run it to combine. Okay. I mean, that's going to help, right? If you run it to combine, but we already know you, he's we already know he's fast and, and agile. Like, well, I don't know there's, what, what. There's a second part to that, and then you have to throw it to combine, and then right. you have to nail your interviews, right? Like, because like we said, like you, it's it's not just what he does on the field that is impressive. The the bit, most impressive thing he did this week was between the ears, right? Sure. And okay. so that's that's what he has to nail. He has to nail his interviews, and he has to go to the combine and he has to show that he's willing to compete and do everything. And and I think if he does that, yeah, you can work your way into the conversation. You know, and, and I think that's true of a couple of quarterbacks. I think Pickett sure. can, can can take that same route. Uh, we haven't even talked about Coral because he's an underclassman. I think he can take that same route. But, yeah, I think Willis did – He his stock raised a lot. I don't think he's in that top five conversation yet. But, sure, he can he can make it there. But he's he's got to really nail the offseason. <laughs> Fair enough. You like that, Ryan? I mean, I like that a lot better than the cold water that you threw on me earlier. <laughs> That's for sure. The, the The last thing that I'll say about Malik Willis is that he has to go to the right situation, right? And I think that if 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 Malik can check a lot of the boxes that Eric just that Eric just put in front of him, I think Detroit is one of those situations where he he can really benefit from being in, right? Like I, I think it's such a big myth. Yeah. that there are so many quarterbacks that sit behind other players 
and and maturate and then all of a sudden are ready like we saw josh allen get thrown in the deep end of the pool and flail for a little while and and i'm not trying to say that malik willis is josh allen but i i i mean for 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 all of the aaron Rodgers sit behind brett Favre, all of the patrick mahomes sit behind you know alex smith for a little while like there 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 aren't a whole lot of those situations but like i think malik willis in detroit can be one of those because of who they have in, in jared goff right now and, you know, it, it's one of those things where I think if, if a team is interested in moving up to get him, he's proven to that team that he's NFL ready right now. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think a team is going to be willing to to sell the ship in, a, in the same way that the 49ers did to move up and grab Trey Lance. The other thing, Ryan, is that that makes Detroit such a, a, a nice fit for him is that this coaching staff is not under – pressure from ownership to produce now yeah. right. and so you this it's a very unusual situation that you don't often see in the nfl where the ownership says hey take draft develop your guys and and more often than not you see these these quarterbacks thrown into the fire because that's what's demanded of them lions are not in that situation if the lions draft a quarterback i expect that quarterback to sit and learn and uh i mean that's they they have a unique situation that is not often afforded to coaches in the nfl all right. Well, now that we've decided that the Lions are going to trade up in the first round after their second pick and, and grab Malik Willis, I think it's time to close out the show. <laughs> uh, thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, like I said, we will be doing these pretty regularly during the offseason. So if you aren't following us on Twitter yet, make sure you do uh, at Pride of Detroit. I'm at Detroit Online. Eric's at Eric Schlitt with an Eric with a K. Ryan is at Ryan underscore P-O-D. On Twitter, we will be back uh, on the podcast feed with a full Senior Bowl recap along with a whole bunch of other crazy stuff that happened this entire week in the NFL. One of the busiest uh, news, uh, you know, between the the Super Bowl and the the conference championship games. We're going to talk about it all on the PODcast. Make sure sure you follow us on Twitch, 